0: turn profits ever so slightly every month from now until we can afford to. I I love that point because we kind of, there's there's a very popular belief that, you know, just if you can't get a job, we'll start a business and then you'll be fine. Um, And there's very little appreciation of just how blooming hard it is. Um, So just give me the the, the three basic rules of starting a, a side hustle and then I shall let you go. Yeah, so what I'm trying to help people understand is that you need to make sure that you're mentally prepared so your mindset is right. Um, For that part, the important thing is your expectations have to be real. If you think you're going to make a million rand next week, you're going to be disappointed and you're going to give up. Then choose a side hustle that is within your skill set. Don't pivot away and try and build the billion-dollar app that you've been thinking about. Use the skills at your disposal because the goal of the side hustle is to turn it into money. And lastly, you should be passionate about your side hustle, but it should not be a passion. Your passions are hobbies, and they should be for fun. Your side hustle is something that must make you money, even if it is taking the 1,000 rand that you win from our fund and turning it into 1,005 rand. That means you've made 5, five, five rand on top of your 1,000. That's the goal, here. Nick Haralambos, I wish you luck with it. Uh, Nick Haralambos thank, is thank an Bruce. entrepreneur. He is a keynote speaker. He is the author of a book on uh, I'm teaching people how to do side hustles. And it's a fabulous idea. And I'm very excited to see how it works in terms of this very big project that he's got, offering a thousand rand a day, slowhustle.org. That's the website. You can get all the guidance you need right there. The Money Show. Small business. And on to Pablo Fatidis. Do you remember Pablo Fatidis, the 1,000 Rand Challenge? Do you remember there was one particular contestant who was a bit of a show-off in that competition?
1: <laughs> How can you forget that evening? Do you remember when the money was counted, the one bag burst and there was purple ink all over the money and me too? Well, you know what,
0: Pablo, I mean, again, we, we're speaking out of context. So a lot of people may not have heard this, but what we did was, and I gave a thousand rand to six different people. Amongst them was you. Um, and I still don't actually know what you did, uh, but you created an entity which created the uh, startup for a young woman called Kirsty Bissett, who today is slaying dragons everywhere in the world of, of age. She's runs various agencies uh, and she is and she is doing so remarkably well. And at the end of that evening, you donated to us and we gave it to the Starfish Foundation about one hundred and forty thousand rand. Was it about it that? Was,
1: I yeah, it was somewhere around there. It was somewhere around there. And then I sold the business to Kirsty. It wasn't a donation to her. No, you sold, sold it to her to her for a rand. You did? Yeah. Well, you gave it to her. And and she's built it
0: and she's done well. And, and I mean, and she is running multiple businesses today and she would have done well anyway. But the point is you laid the groundwork for a side, as a side hustle, and you created an entity 10 years ago, which today... I don't know what she's turning over. It's a private business. It's her business. But I would think several million rand every single year.
1: Yeah, I would agree with you. And she certainly is, Bruce. And you know what? Every business should start with the side hustle. In many ways, do you remember a call that we got about probably two years ago? It was pre-COVID. And it was a very, very frustrated business owner or entrepreneur who was going to solve a significant problem for the country It was something to do with the creation of, I think it was 20,000 hospital beds. Yes. And he was furious, and he was furious with government, he was furious with the banks, he was furious with the world. And we said, well, why are you furious? And he said, because there's a dire need for these beds. It's in the news. It was a very newsworthy item at the time. And no one's prepared to actually give me startup money. And I said to him, well, how much do you need? And he said, I need 50 million rand. And I said to him, okay, well, what's your track record? Have you been in this business before? No, I haven't at all, <laughs> but I need to build a factory in order to make the 20,000 beds that government needs. And it solves the problem, just like you said a business should and no one's prepared to give me the money. And Bruce, the number of times I've heard versions of that story And it leaves me absolutely convinced that and this, it's it's always hard to prove this, that that view where you can't do what you want to do, because you can't have what you need in your head to do what you want to do the way you want to do it. It's simply an excuse not to start. And it is an excuse not to succeed. Because every business ultimately, begins with a side hustle that starts to form and emerge into something beyond what you thought it could be. And For so long as you persist and go down that road and respond to the customers you're serving, they shape your business for you. What you want and what they want might be different things, but if you allow your customers to shape your business for you, a side hustle turns into a real business.
0: Most well, certainly does, and uh, we've got we've got a track record which shows it. Warren Ingram's mother-in-law started making a delicious home-cooked <laughs> meals, and and that continued for ages. Uh, we had the what was her name? Paul
1: Vesta. Paul was Paul was doing some sort of sun-tan. social media thing. Yes, it was a social media thing for advertising with suntan creams.
0: And and there was a, a lovely lady whose name will come to me in a moment who uh, was an estate agent jewelry. and she started a beading business. Pardon, jewelry, yeah, beads. Yeah. And uh, and, yeah. Then and then the and then we had sech- and she wrote a book. And she wrote, to she wrote, to her wrote book a book yeah. And she did. Um, and it was so fabulous because she truly grasped the nettle and grasped the spirit and the hiss of what we were trying to achieve. Um, and we had, um, you know, all sorts of things going on. It was just marvellous. It really, really, really was. So now, listen, we need to survive the year um, and then uh, not only survive the year, but create a base from which to grow into 2022 because 21 looks hard. <laughs> so tell me how we're going to do it.
1: Oh, 21 looks hard and I think 22's, 22 will start settling a little bit, Bruce. I really hope so. I really hope so. So look, you know, we spoke about why the road ahead is going to be bumpy uh, the week before last. Last week we spoke about why you have to be acting. And in uncertainty, and I'm seeing it extensively at the moment, everyone's waiting for things to settle so that they can take a view on what they should do to be sure that what they do will yield a return. And I'm saying, well, you know, that's no longer an offer. So if you do nothing, you're going to get nothing. And in fact, you'll probably be a victim. So rather take a view on a plan of action, decide which of the three plans of action, there are three plans of action that business owners should be opting to adopt this year. Put your head down and don't focus on anything else. Simply implement that plan. And Bruce, I'm seeing three strategies or three plans of action, depending on what you did last year, that you need to do this year. And the first one is all about building a business that's going to be resilient because of the bumpy road ahead. And whenever we talk about resilience or read about resilience or hear about resilience, everyone always says, yes, it's in the mindset. It's in the mindset. Absolutely. Of course it is. That's 50% of it. But the way that you design a business allows it to either be resilient or very brittle. It's no different. You know, when you build a business, the design of the business is no different to the way that you, for example, you build a vehicle. A vehicle is designed to ride comfortably over rough terrain, or it's designed to go very fast. In the same way, a business doesn't just happen. A business should be shaped and designed and built to be able to cope with a lot of uncertainty. It is the one thing that if you did not do last year, you've got to make the hard calls this year to cut your costs, simplify your business. Don't try and be everything to everyone in the hope that that will generate the revenues you need to stay afloat, rather specialize on understanding who you serve and build a simple business so you can be in control. And with the team you have on board, You can guide them very effectively to only focus on things that give results.
0: It's easier said than done, Pavlo, because it's scary. So we panic and we get into a zone where we say, right, we're very good at lots of things. We're jacks of all trades and masters of none. And and let us pursue every opportunity because we don't know which opportunity is going to land. and We don't know what's going to work. So I tell you what we're going to do. We're going to do everything. And that's where Mm. most people fall flat.
1: And and you know, Bruce, when I started Auric, and I remember it was 15 years or so ago, at that time, I was involved in the hustle. I really was. I had, I think I had about six or seven different interests in different initiatives. Some of them were shooting roots and getting going. Some weren't. Uh, Some were pipe dreams. Some weren't. But eventually, at some point in time, the hustle is really good at helping you generate income because there are two, no, there are three things that every business owner should be focused on in my view, in my view. The first is you need to generate the income. It's the most important thing you need to have first. So do what you need to do to generate the income. But if you don't change your habits and you fall into hustling permanently the likelihood of you trying to be everything enterprises is very high. And the problem with everything enterprises is that it will depend on you. It'll depend on your gift of the gab or your skill or your insight or your relationships or whatever the case may be. And right now in amongst SME world in South Africa, in the US, in the UK, globally, SME world is littered with people who are approaching their late 40s, entering into their 50s, edging off 50s into 60s, saying, gosh, I really have success to show materially I've achieved a lot of things. But without me, there is no business here. And that's because they did not switch from an income mindset to a capital mindset. And that side hustle, at some point you've got to grow up make a hard call and decide on the direction you're going to drive and emerge a business that has capital value 5, 10, 15, 20 years down the line because doing it too late is impossible.
0: So, Bob, you survive. That's fine. How do we go from survive to thrive? Because surely, um, you know, if you're just in survival mode all the time, that becomes a bit dispiriting um, and comes dispiriting quite quickly.
1: Well, you know, here's the benefit. So if you've taken a route, you've taken a decision, you're going down that road, you've started to build a business that is far simpler, you're building a business that as hard as it is right now, Bruce, says no to a lot of people, and yes to few. And you in effect, become a specialist in serving the groups of customers that you've decided to serve. One of the biggest benefits that that offers Is that you will be at the edge of change in your market because the earliest signals, the earliest signals of what customers are doing differently to respond to the uncertainty or what your clients want differently in order to respond to their change circumstances come from clients and customers themselves. And I was looking at a business uh, today, it's a very interesting business, it's based out of Northern Ireland. And they're on their website, they're a big food services business uh, employing about 148 people. And they're on the website, they say, we are chef led innovation. It's chef led innovation to create different food products that they supply to hotels and retailers and schools and what have you. And I was just looking at that. And before I went further, I could see immediately that this was a business that was established by a chef. And what I'm saying in that example is we all tend that when things are very uncertain to want to resort to using the area where we are most confident because with confidence, we feel we have control. The problem with that, however, is that your customers out there might be wanting something different and yet you're busy innovating a new type of mince pie. And mince pie is not on their menu. And by the time you lift your head and realize that they've moved on and the business is in trouble. So if you get the reset right and you build a resilient business and you have narrowed it down and simplified and focused, your customers will tell you then what's next that you need to do in order to reignite the business and make up the lost revenues from last year.
0: Pablo, it sounds complicated. It sounds hard to do, and that's because, frankly, it is.
1: Well, is it, though? Is it, is it hard to, as much as you love the product or service that you offer, is it hard to not put aside two days a month, two days a month, and have a Zoom coffee with five customers that you're serving. And to simply ask, what's changed in your world? How can I be more relevant? What could I do better to serve you? Why would this work? Why would that not work? And we get so used to putting our heads down as business owners, focusing on getting the products out or the service out, focusing on our teams, trying to drive sales, initiating new, campaigns or whatever the activity may be that sometimes we forget to do the simplest and very often bruce the easiest thing to get an insight into what it is that will give us the edge in the marketplace it's really not that hard because the best thing to do is to always ask why whenever that engagement with the customer begins whatever they say say but why why won't this work why will that work Why do you want to change the color? Why is it too expensive? What aren't you seeing that makes it feel expensive? Why would it, what would make it more affordable? And asking those questions takes a lot of courage because when you speak to a customer, they really tell you whether you matter or not specifically in their lives. It's no different in many ways to an artist who pours, their love, their passion, their ideas and everything they believe in to a blank canvas. They create a piece of art that is the full expression of their creativity and effort. It's them in a different form. And then Bruce looks at the piece of art and says, yuck. (laughs) Not that easy to swallow, but that's what it takes to be a business owner. Pavlo
0: Fotidis, as always, from Auric Business Accelerator. Thank you.